to work in your life that you know that you've heard the truth, the saving gospel truth, but there's been a time in your life where you really didn't hear it. And that hearing meant all the difference in your life. What I mean by that is I talk to people all the time that are saved now that say, I probably heard the message from a parent or from a pastor or from someone. It wasn't like I just needed new information, but it was like I heard it, heard it, heard it, and once again it clicked in the voice of God. And it led to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And maybe the question you might be asking is, well, how do you know that's true? Because when you got saved, have you ever heard it before you got saved? Most people haven't. Um, maybe not like Luke Short. You know the story of Luke Short? It took a long time for the conversion of Mr. Short. He was a New England farmer who lived to be about 100 years old. Um, sometime in the middle of the 1700s, he was sitting in a field, reflecting on his long life. He was almost 100 then. And as he did, he recalled a sermon he had heard at Bethlehem Eden as a boy before he sailed to America. And the horror of dying under the curse of God was impressed upon him as he meditated on the words he had heard so long ago. And there, sitting in that field, he learned. Eighty-five years after hearing that, he saw Spanish soldiers murdered. The preacher, Flavel, had been a faithful evangelist 85 years earlier, and he was wiser than he was wise then and had thought that today he preached the same, he was preaching the same thing. And the preacher was called to evangelism to recall some of the times that God heard you pray and the fruit of our words in the preacher's life in people's lives may come in different ways and the what matters though is there's a powerful being working by his spirit to open these doors. And that's the story of St. Peter. It says here in verse 31 of Mark 7 in our next outline, then he returned to the Tyre, or the region of Tyre, Jesus went through Sidon, Sea of Galilee, and the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. Anybody have a different translation that says something different that you heard a speech impediment? Philip, did you have, or you, or actually most of you have a speech, so you don't have to classify it. Sure. Um, some might say he was, he was, he was mute or dumb. Um, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his finger to the ear and his spittle touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven and he sighed and said to him,
big as I am. I think, I think the emphasis was is they couldn't help me. And there's this side of like, how can you help yourself if you have something that you can't control? I, I think that we, this is a passage we see in the Gospel of Mark that regularly Jesus would tell people to not tell anyone else. And we, as I said, one of the main reasons probably was because Jesus, I think two reasons. Sometimes it was Jesus' hour was not yet come for him to either go to the cross, and it surely wasn't a time for him to be mobbed and made a king, and that would either cause um, rebellion in Rome and cause Roman imprisonment. So he's not wanting to shake the boat in one sense. I think the other factor is, I think as a practical process, he didn't want everybody distracting him to get him where he needed to be. Because we don't get saved by sitting on our hands. And that's the reason why we see that. And so, okay, what else? So subside. Alright, let's just break that down. Let's give me something, please give healing to my daughter. Here, they're bringing someone else. Right? Yes, Joel. Mm -hmm.
boy, there's something here that sounds familiar. The lame will hear, his ears will be opened, diseases of death will come back, and in his place, the tongue and the mouth will worship. So when we come back, what else? Thank you. 
and we answered that prayer for him because we worried. And it is not uncommon for almost gladly to be used in order to say certain things that would bring about some wonder and majesty of that time. And especially in the pagan and Gentile times, and still is a very common um, house saying. In that time, they believed that life came from the water. Water was source of life. It was and so from a powerful person, the water that comes from that person, the spit, would bring power. He would come, and we have to ask, I, I don't fully know why. Uh, this is a potential guess, but many times we just get, Jesus comes and he just says, you're healed, or he touches him or she. Many other times, they touch Jesus, saying, This is one of only three stories in Mark where Je- where Mark where where they're not repeating each other's activities. Now that in Matthew 15 he did heal the deaf, but Mark decides to actually say, "I think what is happening is he is doing all this healing in this area. You're going to have to be coming in the wilderness section. And by the way, the wilderness and the desert are going to be in the wilderness section in Jesus' time. But as he's coming through here." them away, he, he, he then would clean what they would do is they put him over to clean up the water and he spits and he brings power and he says something in, in a Gentile language who's not familiar, Aramaic is very common for this region but now Mark is being written now to the churches um, later on that's spreading throughout the Mediterranean, they don't know Aramaic and they see that that Peter had retorted, because Peter probably told Mark to write this, that he said this word, and they're thinking, wow, he's got, he's another miracle worker, a magic man of renown. He has an incantation to say, and it wasn't anything special. It was just an ordinary healing. So what did Jesus present? He speaks
and fear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. So to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And later on, he's going to say in this passage, he's going to say, having zeal, eyes to see, but having ears, you do not hear.
Bible account, we want we, we look at it from we always want to look at it from the big perspective. Okay, what did the author intend for us to get from it? And so Mark is writing to a, a New Testament church. His this is written dec- this is written many decades later. This isn't like this isn't the newspaper version. Sometimes I think of the of the Gospels like it's the newspaper version of Mark. This is a long time after the church has already been credited. Pentecostal passionism. Um, and that's when this actually comes out and it's being read by the churches. And and I think that as they're reading this, that no one comes away from this going, the point of this passage is the disobedience of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, none of us can think that. Even though it kind of, okay, yeah, that's good Theo in your mind, because <laughs> you're very, you know, precise in that. But I think they were clouding this. I, I think that there was like this, could it be that there was a, there was a rebuke? Because this is being written to now the, the churches who are to be God's ambassadors. If they couldn't hold back when they were taught not to, why would you hold back when you're taught to do it? I'm not going to make that that rhyme. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, again, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, by Mark writing it down. Mark had a notebook so you could see what Mark 